just want to be famous. So nearly, tell everyone what this podcast is about. Well, Kasim, it's all the stuff we absolutely love and loathe about the hospitality and digital industry. It's topical, fun, and of course, controversial, and it's definitely not for the faint-hearted. Oh, and we'll also be sharing some real business knowledge bombs too. What a load of bollards. Hello and welcome to our podcast, What a Load of Bollards. My name is Kasim Majid and I'm with my co-host, Neely Khan. Neely, how are you? I'm great. How are you, Kasim? I'm really good. Did you have a good weekend? I did. Well, we're in the Easter holidays now, aren't we? So, yeah, it's been eventful. It's been fun. So you had a really good weekend. I did have an amazing weekend. Good. Yes. How about you? I had a fantastic weekend, Neely, and I'm really excited about the podcast that we're going to be talking about today. And it was off the back of you doing a post on LinkedIn. So it's me asking you a series of questions about this post. And the post was called... Not just, not just a, a waitress. Not yeah, just a waitress, not just which, waitress yeah. which got huge, huge engagement. Mm-hmm. Tell us about some of the stats about the engagement that you got. In fact, you're still getting engagement, correct? Yeah, so I shared it. It's really interesting because I typed it up on my phone. I typed it up on my phone in like less than five minutes. And with, within sort of the first couple of hours, we were already on, I think, up to 200 likes. And now, about three months on, we've reached over a thousand likes. So I think it's one thousand three hundred and six likes on my post. Okay, wow! And it's been shared. The last time I checked, it's been shared over three hundred times. So about three hundred and fifty times it's been shared. Wow! Um, I don't know the number of comments off by heart, but there was a lot of engagement. And then that's just on the post alone. I got a lot of messages off the back of that too. So you got hundreds of messages yeah. off the back yeah, of it. Yeah, literally hundreds of messages. So let's just dig into this post that you said to me was just some throwaway, it wasn't a throwaway mm-hmm. post, but it was a post that you thought that was um, quite simple and you're thinking, here's some posts that I do and I think about and I write about very strategically yeah. to, to get engagement. But this particular post, for some reason, got loads of engagement. So talk us through what the post was about so the post um like we said the title was not just a waitress and it was basically um me talking about my experiences when i used to work front of house so going back to a particular experience i had about three or four years ago um i was serving um a table of three or four at the time i was working in a really busy chain restaurant and as i was making small talk with one of the guests as you do he asked me if i'm just a waitress Um, And he said it in a really condescending and patronising way. And Mm -hmm. I don't know what happened. I think I'd had a really busy shift. And at that point, I got really quite wound up because I'd already received so many questions like this. You know, a lot of people look at uh, waitressing and they think it's a job that you just do if you're not really qualified to do anything else. And I told him at that point that, you know, yes, I am just a waitress. And, you know, I serve like more than 30 tables at a time. I do 16-hour shifts. I multitask like a badass and it's really, you know, the fact that my job requires a lot of skill. So I included all of that in the post and I think the post itself is only about 200 words Mm -hmm. and yeah, and that was it. So that was literally just the post. So I opened up with, I'm not just a waitress, this is what I do and a lot of people resonated with it and I think that's what got the engagement. So let's just break that down. Yeah. So it's obviously, you know, the hospitality industry that you love Mm -hmm. and sometimes we take for granted 
the front of house staff mm-hmm. and actually in some respects front of house staff are supposed to make their guests the people that come into the restaurants people that come into the, your hotel or whatever it is yeah that process is supposed to be seamless absolutely. for the guest yeah. so it looks to me as though it's absolutely as easy as possible so you walk into a restaurant you get greeted by someone like yourself mm-hmm. with a big smile mm-hmm. And you get sat down, you get seated, and then you take the order and you take the drinks. But all of that is a huge process. Yeah. And someone that has to have a lot of experience to be able to deliver the experience. So experience delivers experience. Yes, that's correct. And a lot of people take that for granted or they just don't realise that that's the amount of effort and work that goes into it. Yeah, I'll let me get, I'll make a little confession for you. Mm-hmm. I worked in a restaurant, mm-hmm. um, a Spanish restaurant mm-hmm. in Manchester for three days. Oh, for three days? Yeah, it was for, three, for three days. Uh, there's a friend who owned the restaurant. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a great restaurant. Um, and I worked there for three days. And the reason why I left was because I kicked off with the chef. Oh, really? The chef was a typical stereotype yeah. chef. Yeah. He was creative. He was short-tempered. He was, you know, he wanted the food to go out in a certain t- certain way. Yeah. Blah, 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 Standard. blah. Standard And chef, you know yeah. what? Um, I get that now. Yeah. But then I didn't, didn't understand it and didn't mm-hmm. get it because mm-hmm. he wanted to create an experience for the customer. Of course, yeah. And he was very short with me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, yours truly, mm-hmm. as you know, doesn't like being spoken to no. in a certain way. I'm sure most people don't. Yeah. But I didn't see beyond that mm. and I actually left. But I, I got a, an appreciation of, A, what front of, front of house staff have to do. Mm-hmm. They have, because you have to deal with cl- complaints. You have to deal with, with um, by, you know, st- remembering drinks, remembering orders. So much more. Who wants what. So much, um, yeah. If someone's meal is slightly different to what's on the menu, saying I'd yeah. like a... For example, a burger without the gherkins and the cheese. Yeah, which you get a lot of. You get so you yeah. get a lot of people. So you know this whole thing about customization and personalization, yeah. Yeah. even more so now. Yeah. And you have to remember those things. And you have to do it all with a smile on your face. All with a smile on your without face. Without letting anyone know that it's you know extra work or without kind of giving the impression that it's stressful or anything like that. Uh, people always used to say to me when I had one of my first front of house jobs, actually that um, sounds a little bit, you know, sort of over the top, but the restaurant floor is like your stage, Mm -hmm. and that's exactly how you need to be, whether it's a 12-hour shift or you just need to completely sort of keep your cool throughout. And actually, you learn a lot of really valuable customer service skills that you can then use in any industry you go into afterwards. So I found that when I actually went into business after that, a lot of the skills that I learned in hospitality really came to good use because yeah. it's a very pressurised oh yes so intense environment, oh my goodness it? yeah probably one of the most difficult so jobs many, I've ever had so yeah. many things to think of, particularly yeah. if, it's a, if, it's a, if it's a restaurant that's not very busy then yeah but if it's a, if it's a busy restaurant mm-hmm. and you've got sittings at lunchtime and in the evening and it's packed and the table turnover is like non-stop you literally you, don't have any time to just stop and breathe and so, so there's, there's that you know there's that appreciation of actually you know what there's so many things and so many facets yeah. that you have to think about to deliver that experience for the customer yeah that actually is a very very skilled job so that the, the, the hot the 
the brands in the hospitality industry, mm-hmm. in the restaurant industry, the hotel industry, mm-hmm. um, their training, the, the way they train their staff mm-hmm. must be A, very intensive, and B, um, kind of reinforcing the message all the time. So the training is ongoing because you yeah. have to shift towards custom demands. Yeah. And I know you did some training and yeah. provided training and yeah. done training in, the, in that industry. So can you just talk to us about how hospitality brands can learn from providing ongoing training? I actually think, I think that's a great question because I think there's a real lack of quality, high quality training. So even within sort of the bigger brands and the bigger chains, I think something that's really lacking, particularly in this country, is first and foremost treating front of house as an actual career that you need to be actually qualified for, that maybe you need to go through a specific uh, training sort of program for. Because at the moment, a lot of the bigger brands, it's all very sort of generic and it's all... You know, this is how you take an order and this is how you serve food, et cetera, et cetera. So I actually think there's a lot that can be done. What, what we're doing at the moment is we're actually working with um, a household restaurant brand who okay. are really putting a lot of work into their training. And um, I can't mention them just yet, but they are absolutely an example. What they're doing is they're looking at their employees. They're looking at... Um, sort of the career opportunities that they'd like to offer uh-huh. to their front of house staff members and they're looking at their team members as people who are not just sort of filling in time and just doing another job um, and they're treating the whole process sort of really seriously they're putting a lot of thought into it so I think you know I've worked in places I've actually worked as a hospitality trainer and consultants in the past and I think a lot of it is not just a case of how many plates can you carry in one go? A lot of it is, you know, your personality, your resilience, and just finding the right talents and allowing people to be themselves. So do you think this whole... You mentioned something very, very poignant, Mm -hmm. um, which is about in the UK, Mm -hmm. we don't see front of house as a career option. Whereas if you go to France... Yeah. Front of house, um, maitre d', that's a real career. And it's respected. And it's like, respected, really, isn't right? It? Yeah. Because, you, you know, then you've got the, you, within the restaurant industry, you've probably got the smellier, is it, is it or whatever? Yeah. You know, so all these things. Which is a fantastic career. Come yeah. together to, to create a career for a individual or set of individuals, yeah? Mm-hmm. But in the UK, why... I think it's happening more in London now because of obviously the influx of different uh, foreign restaurant owners and all this kind of thing. Yeah, we're definitely making progress. We're making progress. Yeah, but not why enough. do you think still mm-hmm. in the UK it's not considered as a career? I think we're slowly beginning to see it as a career. I think a lot of it is to do with... So first of all, if you look at the kind of restaurants we have now in the UK, I mean, again, we're com- we really are coming leaps and bounds. We're having lots of sort of independent places opening and the quality of the restaurants, particularly in places like London, for example, they're getting better. But then if you also look at... So if you compare it to the likes of France, like mm-hmm. you just said, France doesn't really have um, very many sort of big sort of chain restaurants. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I'm sure you've noticed you've yeah, seen so. a few times. So the bigger chain restaurants, they don't really have. They work more on sort of the independent restaurants. And what you'll find there, uh, for some reason, is that the quality of service there is always better. Now, in the UK, if you look at, like, the casual dining scene, for example, and you look at the bigger chain restaurants, the emphasis is always on 
the food, obviously, and so it should be, um, and the cost and the speed of service because of the kind of lifestyle that we have, maybe. Mm -hmm. So I think that might be one of the reasons. But I do think we are making progress slowly. I think there's a real big need, and I know I keep saying this, for some kind of like an academy or an institution or a platform mm. for young people yeah. who are seriously considering a career in hospitality, yeah. front of house particularly, and you know, it's you know, people who actually choose to be in it because believe it or not, a lot of people choose to do it as a career. It's not something you just kind of fall into all the time. Well, um, I mean, you, you just mentioned something yeah. that's quite interesting. Um, I know that a lot of the colleges now, particularly in where we are in Birmingham, mm-hmm. <clears throat> they are providing courses yeah. and uh, and facilities mm-hmm. like full blown restaurants, mm-hmm. service, you know, silver service, and they're training young people in um, in the hospitality and leisure industry from mm-hmm. front house yeah. to the back of house yeah. so I think it's happening it is happening slowly it's happening sl- slowly but I think it's a, mm-hmm. um, an understanding from a consumer point of view mm-hmm. that actually you have to have a certain set of skills mm-hmm. or be trained in, in being front of house yeah that actually takes an enormous amount of effort to be able to be really competent at it yeah and the competency doesn't show in, um, I don't believe, shows in like, it's actually giving the experience to the customer that's seamless. So yeah. what, it's a simple thing. You walk into a restaurant, you sit down, you get a lovely smile, you get mm-hmm. P- mm-hmm. people asking you all those little yeah. things yeah. that you actually would think that was a really good experience. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Those things take effort and time and training and doing it over and over yeah. and over again. Yeah. And that's why mm-hmm. when you used to work front of house, mm-hmm. you earned the most tips in that organisation. In fact... In one particular organisation. In that, yeah. in that particular yeah. organisation, you yeah. earned, what, anything between three and £500 a week in just tips? Yeah, I mean, I don't like to boast about it, but yeah, I did. So there was the last place I worked at, actually, just before I became, um, just before I set up Neely there, it was an incredibly busy site, so the busiest site in Birmingham. So the table turnover was just insane. And once I got the hang of doing what I did, front of house, yeah, I was kind of raking in up to averaging about £350 a week. And I used to work, because I was making that much in tips, in, you know, obviously cash, I used to work just four days a week. Wow. Which is amazing. And it's not just, obviously, you know, the tips are great, obviously, but it's not just about that. It's the fact that I felt appreciated and I could see the reward I was getting for providing such a great service. It meant that I then kept delivering it to that standard. So, Neely, if there were a few tips that you could give to someone that's working front of a house to earn 350 quid a week. Yeah. What three or four things would you say to someone? If you were training me, for example, mm-hmm. saying, Kasim, if you want to earn a bit more money in your, in your pocket via tips, etc., mm-hmm. what would your advice be to me? So I'm a budding front of house. I'm budding ch- front of house. Front, front of yeah. house. I've chosen my career yeah. in hospitality. And you know what? I want to be the best. What a great career. Good for you. Actually, that's a really good question because um, that particular organisation, they were so... Um, the founder of that chain, he was so excited by the fact that I was making that much in tips. Um, we actually wrote a piece about it afterwards. Okay. Um, sharing sort of the kind of things you can do as a front-of-house server in order to really deliver a great customer experience, guest experience. Uh, so 
my tip, so the first thing I would always say is preempt your guests' needs, okay. which I think is a lesson that we can just use everywhere, mm-hmm. even in business too. So, for example, like when you go out to eat, how annoying is it if you have to, you know, as you're starting your main course after you've had your starter, how annoying is it when you're trying to get the waiter's attention for a good five or ten minutes, even five minutes, because when you're, re- when you're eating, five minutes seems like a long time, for, say, another glass of wine or whatever whatever it is you're drinking one thing that I was always taught when I was working front of houses the guests should never have to ask you for anything the guests should even have to ask you for for the bill Mm -hmm. and a lot of people used to be quite uncomfortable with this rule because they used to think well if I I present the guest with the bill Mm -hmm. it seems as though you know I'm asking them to leave but it's all in the delivery. It's all about preempting your guests' needs without sort of overwhelming them, okay. which is actually quite difficult to do. So that's an awareness thing, right? Yeah. So you've got to understand what's going on. It's not just one guest. Yeah. It's multiple guests. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Across multiple tables. Yeah. And then it's having that kind of keen eye to understand mm-hmm. how do you make sure that you make sure that everyone mm-hmm. is looked after. Yeah, without going, you know, going to their table more than, you know, two or three times, if that makes sense. Yeah, because you don't want to pester them, right? That's annoying. That's that really is annoying. annoying. Of course it is yeah. annoying. Yeah, so the first one would definitely be preempting your guests' needs. Uh, second one, I would say, is figuring out who your guests are okay. and what kind of sort of an experience they're looking for. Sure. So it's like in business when we talk about identifying your ideal clients mm-hmm. um, and then tailoring their experience according to what you think they're looking for so for example if you've got a couple who are on a date they're not going to want you going back and forth to them over and over again Mm -hmm. and making too much small talk with them because they're probably there to have an intimate dinner Mm -hmm. if you've got um, a couple of businessmen who've come for a quick lunch you know that they're going to want their drinks quickly they'll want their lunch quickly they probably won't want dessert and they'll want to pay by card when Mm -hmm. you give them the bill yeah so yeah identifying who your guests are and what they're looking for Okay, and how yeah. did they, and then what would you say the next tip would be? The next tip um, would be it's quite um, actually it's a really important one is just around allowing room for your personality and being really sort of communication actually communication would be my last one. So if you're busy and you know it's going to take you a little bit longer to see to one of the tables always, always, always acknowledge your guests. There's nothing more off-putting when you're walking into a restaurant. You can see there's a large queue, and most people are really understanding of that. But if you're walking into a restaurant and you're waiting and nobody's acknowledged you and it's been, you know, five minutes, you're just not going to feel very welcome, are you? And no matter what the the waiter does after that, you're still not going to feel like you were really very welcome from the very beginning. So always acknowledge your guests. If you know it's going to take you a little bit longer to take their drinks order, just just let them know. It takes less than five seconds to say, I'll be with you in a minute. And if you say, I'll be with you in a minute, make sure you do go back to them within that minute. So coming back to this thing about not just being a waitress. Yeah. That's for a great experience, but also you can have a disastrous experience going into a restaurant. You can. All of the above, and and it happens to everyone. Yeah. doesn't matter how good you are, it happens to everyone. Yeah. Because you see it on TripAdvisor all the time. There's yeah. some amazing restaurants. doesn't matter where you are in the world. Mm-hmm. At some point, someone will have a bad experience. Mm-hmm. How do you deal with it in-house? I'm not talking about online. Yeah. How do you deal with that experience in-house that you know you've dropped the ball? Yeah. You know there's been issues. What would your advice be to people in the hospitality and leisure sector? And what do you see that they do wrong when dealing with complaints? 
the most sort of um, common thing that um, professionals do front of house when they get things wrong during the service, the quick fix is usually giving them a discount. So, and then yeah, this isn't always necessarily the, the best way to go about it because a lot of the time what happens is a guest will come to you with a complaint um, and if front of house is really busy, they'll barely even listen to the actual complaints and the guest's concerns. And they'll turn around and say, well, that's okay. You can have dessert on the house and we'll just knock it off the bill. So that's probably the most common way of dealing with a complaint. However, it's probably not the most effective and not really the most personal way of dealing with it. Because yes, you've given them something for free, but the chances of them coming back will still be quite not that likely mm. because you haven't made them feel like you know, it's something that you've truly taken on board. You sure. haven't made them feel like you truly understand, you know, their problem or whatever it is that they were yeah. complaining about. So um, I'll give you an example. This one time um, I dropped, and I feel awful about this, I dropped um, a little girl's birthday cake. Oh, my God. Um, so it was, oh I know, my God. I know, a four-year-old. Oh, And she had, like, an amazing frozen-themed birthday was it, cake. Was it a birthday cake that... Homemade. Homemade. Oh god! And it was—it was, it was oh, such a busy god. shift. It was such a busy shift. The whole family was there. They gave me the birthday cake, and they—they they asked me to pop the candles on. And I was running around because you know I was so busy. And this is why people always say never run when you're on the restaurant floor because this is what happens. Um, and I dropped the cake, and um, <laughs> I went back to the parents. Obviously, I told them what happened, and they were furious. Oh, my they my. were so angry. The little girl was in tears. So obviously what we could have done is given them a discount, which is what we did. But the thing is, we'd still ruined, I'd still ruined the birthday party. So you, yeah, absolutely. I ruined it. Yeah, totally. She's never going to forget that for the rest of her life. I know. Even oh, at four years old. I, know. I felt so bad. Did you, did you drop it on the family or did you drop it as you walk into what? To talk me through I dropped it. how this it so missile, was so how this huge missile landed so well because I was getting on with the parents and they'd ordered their drinks they'd had I'm their sorry, dinner I'm laughing. this and is so it, funny you know what just talking about it now still makes me feel nervous because I remember I, re I was so shit scared that's because you I care right cake. I felt so guilty I went so, to the kitchen so so you've yeah. got this cake yeah and it's on the the platform thing that you use yeah well I was we, yeah, I was working we were we used to work in a really small kitchen okay so there wasn't a lot of time you know a lot of space to kind yeah. of maneuver around and the cake was massive so as I was trying to pop the candles on yeah there was a lot of sort of nudging and people were you know waiters were kind of running behind me and it was just a really just not the ideal sort of okay. environment to so you're prepare. picking the cake up yeah and you're walking towards the family? No, no, I hadn't even got this far. I picked the cake up, I turned around, and I must have bumped into one of uh, one of the waitresses. Yeah. It was actually partly her fault, too, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> and then the cake just went splat on the floor. And Susan. I remember everybody just stopping what they did. It was a Saturday shift, everyone was so busy. And they just, they all looked at it, and they were like, yeah, you're in, you're in so much trouble. Yeah, it was, and so, my heart so, sank. So for, yeah. for that moment, that yeah. time stopped... Oh, totally. And, like, you know, you get that feeling where you think everything is just closing in on you. I wanted to run away. The first thing I thought, the first thing I thought was, I need to, I need to, like, just get out of here. I'm going to get into so much trouble. So what did you do? You composed yourself? 
I did. So I needed five minutes. Um, and then what happened? Did you go to the family? I did, of course. At I this did. point, did they know? No, they didn't know. They were very, very happy. They were, you know, enjoying their cocktails and things. So I went to, I went to the mother. I went to the mum first because uh-huh. I, I, I built some kind of a, you know, relationship with her. And you should always do this when you're dealing with big tables. Pick one person and communicate with just them. So in my case, it was, it was the mum. And um, I asked, um, I asked her to just come over to one side, and um, I apologised first. And before I, I could even tell her, she said, "Oh, you've dropped the cake, haven't you?" I think she could see it on my face, and she was so angry. Okay. She was so angry. Okay. She called me a couple of names. Um, and she said, you know, she was fuming and that it was homemade. And, you know, I didn't, obviously I didn't argue back. I didn't even try to defend myself. I just listened to her. And um, my manager came in at this point and he was really angry with me too. And um, so after things settled down a little bit, obviously the little girl started crying too, which was awful. Did they tell awful. the little girl? They did. They told yeah, they did. Oh, I felt so So bad. she'd seen the cake beforehand, or was she, it a surprise? No, she knew she was... She, they, they told her that she wouldn't be getting a cake. The mum was so angry, she was completely just losing Okay, so she just kind of... Yeah, so the little girl asked what was going on, they so, said, you know... Get so great parenting, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Actually, that's true, you know, they didn't need to do that, but, you know, she was so angry. Okay, but yeah, she was angry. Anyway, so at that point, obviously, my manager was, you know, saying to them, we'll give you a discount, everything's yeah. on the house. He was so desperate to yeah. calm them down, to make them happy. Uh, but what we did after that was me and a couple of the other waitresses, we went to um, went to the Sainsbury's next door. Okay. Um, and we got a substitute birthday cake. So obviously not as great as what they had initially, but we kind of did it up with lots of different candles and we put sweets around it. And then we made, we made a huge fuss of the birthday girl. So, you know, we all sang happy birthday to her and we told her to come back again and get her presents and stuff. And, we, you know, I looked at her and I thought of my little girl mm. and I dealt with it as I would have with my own daughter, to be honest. And to be honest, she was fine when she saw the caterpillar cake that we got her. And when the mum saw that her daughter was actually okay, yeah. I wouldn't say she was happy, but she came around too. Yeah. And they did come back after that. And we laughed about it. So they came back as... So, as so you turned, so you turned yeah. a, a, a raging customer into a raving customer. I don't know if she was a raving customer, <laughs> but she, yeah. No, she did come back, yeah. So, so they came back. back. So they, she didn't come back. So she they, came back a few times after. I think after a while, you know, when when the emotions yeah. have settled, the yeah. situation, they probably thought about, you know, this is we planned this, mm-hmm. the cake, the, mm-hmm. the, a lot of people have spent like the time, blood, yeah. sweat, and tears course, putting into the putting into this cake. You pick it up, you drop it. Yeah, it was a human splat, error. Splat right? on the floor, and what you do is you go next door and you buy a caterpillar cake. Yeah, you know, the standard for seven, seven, cakes. Seven, seven pound ninety-five. how much it was. I paid for it with my tips, so, you know. <laughs> yeah, and she was she was fine in the end. She was okay. I think sometimes you just have to accept that you've cocked up and just come clean and apologise. Communication. Well, there's no way around that, is there? No, I mean, she could see her. I, I was sincerely sorry. I think she could see it, because I was. I felt so bad. And it's still... I can see from your face. You can't see on podcast now, but I can see from Neil's yeah. face that it's actually distressing you it thinking is. about it. It was, it was the worst shift of my life, yeah. It was awful. awful. So you're not yeah. just a waitress. You're an no. entertainer. You're a sympathiser. You know, you empathise with the customer. It's quite an, it's quite, an, it's quite a, a tall task oh, to become is. competent at something like that. And, you know, we sometimes always drop the ball, or should I say, drop, drop the cake. The cake. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah. Thanks for that, Cassim. Hashtag drop the cake. Hashtag drop the cake. Actually, there's a good like blog post in there somewhere. I think so, good yeah. Story there. I think that yeah. would be a really good blog post. Yeah. Which actually takes me on to the second part of our podcast. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We talked about, you know, what you did for your post on LinkedIn, mm-hmm. not just a waitress, mm-hmm. and how much it got so much um, engagement. Yeah, it was crazy, wasn't it? Was not expecting that. And, genuinely. And, and that's a, there's, a, there's a great tip in there from a digital perspective of mm. how you can in, create engaging content, but how you can use that content um, and repurpose it yeah. in multiple ways. Yeah, you gave me great advice off the back of that, actually. I like to think I did. You yes. did, you did, you did. So after that post went viral, because it did. But one of the things that I said to you yeah. really was, okay, that post has gone viral, let it go viral, and keep mm-hmm. letting it go. But actually, and this was a written piece. Yeah, no <clears throat> images, nothing, no hashtags. Nothing. Yeah. So then off the back of it, I said to you, why don't you create a video talking about the situation and post it on the same platform? Yeah. So now you've got two pieces of content. Yeah. One that, and, and the video mm-hmm. has done really well yeah as well correct yeah the video got shared over a hundred times too and it's had and tens of thousands of views it's had over 25,000 views the last time I checked which was a couple of weeks ago and actually when Kasim told me to, to create a video yeah repurpose the, the content I did say to you didn't I I said well is it going to be a bit samey samey because I'm just repeating the same thing and I did but actually, it got loads of engagement. And again, so many people resonated with it. And we actually got business off the back of that, didn't we? Absolutely. Yeah. So that, that, that was the second point I was mm. going to talk about. You've had so many people um, engage with you mm-hmm. on LinkedIn. <clears throat> uh, and they've connected with you. And it's the people in the right industry that it's resonated with, which, yeah. which is your target audience. Which, which is the most important thing. Which yeah. is the absolutely most mm-hmm. important thing. So a post of 200 words that you thought I'm going to put out there. Yeah. Um, has gone viral. Mm-hmm. You've now created a video for that. Yeah. And right now, we're creating a podcast. Yeah, we're repurposing it again. So we're talking about it again. Yeah. Now, there's nothing wrong with that. That's just being really clever and cute with the content that that resonates. Yeah. And I've done something just similar quite recently. Mm-hmm. I had oh, a, have, yeah. I had a yeah. video on Facebook that has received tens and tens of thousands mm-hmm. of, of views. And I did it a couple of years ago. And this was just bef- this was before LinkedIn had started their video. Yeah. But it was on yeah. my Facebook page. Yeah. And what I've done is I've, I've scraped the video from Facebook mm-hmm. and I've uploaded it to LinkedIn. And it did very well on LinkedIn and too, And it's done didn't really it? well yeah. on LinkedIn. Um, so there's a, there's a lesson to be learned oh, there. Oh, definitely, definitely. In terms of yeah. digital, you know, just go back through your old um, content, mm-hmm. see the blog posts, have engaged really well mm-hmm. and create a video off the back of it and even if you're kind of saying it as a as a script yeah which is what you did and that worked really well it's worked it? really yeah. well yeah so um so there's some learning there i think yeah i think there's that and also another thing i'd say is when it comes to the actual content i think when you speak about something or you write about something that you've had first-hand experience in and you can turn it into a story and it's something that you feel very strongly about that naturally then transpires. So actually, when I did the written piece, like I said, I did it on my phone in less than 10 minutes. Mm. But the way I wrote it, it had a lot of emotion in it because I felt very connected to it in the same way in the video, same thing. And even now, doing the podcast, it's coming quite naturally because it's a topic that's very close to my heart. So I think 
you know, share content that you either have a lot of knowledge about, have had first-hand experience in, or you feel very connected to, because that really does transpire. Because a lot of people they struggle with with content. We do it as well, you know. Yeah. Like, what should we talk about? Yeah. There's so many. It things, is hard sometimes. Yeah. There's so many things to mm. talk about, mm-hmm. and there's so many subject topics mm-hmm. that you can cover. And sometimes having I mean, too much is like, oh God, I've got, I don't know which one to cover. Mm-hmm. But today, we've got a plan mm-hmm. of the kind of content that we want to cover. Yeah. And the, the next piece, actually this podcast was supposed to be something else. Yeah. And we thought, actually, mm-hmm. we're not prepared for that yeah. just yet. Mm-hmm. Let's just talk about this experience. Mm-hmm. And actually, it's worked really well. It has, yeah. It's come so naturally. Hopefully. It's been really fun doing it, actually. So, is there anything else that we need to add? Is there anything else? Well, I'd like to add something, and then you can go after me. I think, again, it's off the back of the post that I shared and, you know, us speaking about hospitality and not being just a waitress. Uh, One other point that I'd like to make is, obviously, if you work front of house, you're amazing. And also, what I would really like to sort of share with people, um, you know, when you're going out to eat or when you're going out for a drink in a bar, always, please do always consider that front of house servers and front of house professionals are giving up their weekends, they're giving up their Christmas holidays, they're giving up their Easter breaks um, to ensure that you're having a good time. I know it's a little bit sort of off on a tangent, but I think it's a really important point. And I think it's something that we need to be more aware of. And I suppose going back to the um, your post, yeah. what hospitality brands can learn from a digital perspective mm-hmm. is... You don't have to reinvent the wheel all mm-hmm. the time. Yeah. Go through your, some of your old posts, mm-hmm. some of your maybe some of your old videos that yeah. are on a certain platform, yeah. and get them, um, d- download them, scrape them, and repurpose them for a different platform that oh, you're not already on. Definitely, because you're so missing a trick, really, aren't you? If you you're are, not doing that, yeah. you are missing a trick. Mm. And one of the things that I'm going to be doing is probably repurposing the content, and I think you should do it yeah. for Instagram. That's a good idea, because actually. you've done it on Facebook. Yeah. Uh, on LinkedIn. On LinkedIn. LinkedIn. And now you're going to repurpose it for Instagram. Do you think I should do a, like a one-minute video? Is that what you mean? For yeah, Instagram? Yeah, or? you could do a one-minute video. but I've do like a post? Yeah, you could do a post and, yeah. and a one-minute video. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you can funnel people from your Instagram to your Facebook. Yeah. From your Facebook to your LinkedIn and vice versa across all, of, all those three platforms. But you've got, you've did one post yeah. that can be used across multiple platforms. Yeah. And on, and on um, you can do it on LinkedIn, um, Twitter as well, because yeah. Twitter has, you know, I think it's two minutes 30. Is it? I'm two minutes sure. 30, the maximum yeah. video time mm-hmm. on, on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can, it'd probably take you only two minutes to, to speak that. Yeah. And also, would you say it's not a case of simply copy and pasting the contents across the various social media platforms? Well, yeah, because each type of platform... Yeah has a different style of content yeah. but video mm-hmm. you could do one video and it could go across all of them right okay yeah? okay yeah so it's actually not that complicated so it's not that yeah. complicated so hospitality brands that have that have got content that's done really well yeah on certain platforms put it push it across other platforms as well and if you find it difficult um come and have a chat with us and, and we'll help you yeah, it's what we do, and we, we love do. doing it. We love yeah. doing it, and I think that's it for our podcast today. Yeah. Short, sharp, and sweet. If you're looking for any digital 
um, advice, please come and have a chat with myself. I'm Kasim from Wild Group of Companies, and I have with me my co-host again is... Neely, of Neely There. And Neely, what do you do from Neely There? So we specialise in content creation and content marketing, specifically for hospitality and leisure brands. So thank you for listening. And our hashtag, as it always is, after three nearly, one, two, three. We just Just want to be famous. What a load of bollards.